are a W-2 capitalist. You are addressing the gap between your successful, fulfilling W-2 job and building wealth for your family through real estate investing. You are ready to earn, invest, repeat. Welcome to the W-2 Capitalist Podcast. Now, let's get to work. Here's your host, Jay Helms. Two. Good morning, buddy. How are you? Good morning. How are you? Man, uh, I'm running a lot faster than this computer is right now. <laughs> I apologize for being a few minutes late. <laughs> oh, don't worry about it. I was like, I was like, man, it's today, right? Yeah, I know. It's, uh, I'm usually, uh, I usually kick this thing off and then go do whatever. That way I don't get busy, do, you know. Anyway, we're here. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so what's going on, man? Oh, dude. It, it's one of those times when you're glad it's Tuesday. You know? <laughs> what Monday, is that? Uh, oh, okay. I got one day hit me hard. It was, um, so we have our very first eviction and yeah. we were due to file, for, what is it called? File for possession. Okay. Order for the constable to come out. And like the 10th day was Sunday. So it was like, okay, like, great. We're going to file it on Monday. And we go to get them out there. And they're like, now you got to wait till tomorrow. Why? <laughs> well, because you just have to wait till tomorrow. I'm like, but the judge told us Monday. Nope, you gotta wait till tomorrow. I'm like, okay, fine, we'll wait till tomorrow. Both neighbors start calling my property manager. You gotta get her out of here now. There's kids falling off railings. There's yelling about drugs, and there's this and there's that. I'm, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Talk to the magistrate. I, I mean, I don't know what you want me to do about it. Uh, Why wouldn't they? Uh, did they give you a reason? They just you had to wait. My only conclusion is that they don't want the last day to end up on a Sunday so that they have a chance to appeal, I guess, one more day. Yeah. Um, so it's, you know, it's, it's frustrating because it's been, it's just, it's been one of these things that we saw coming in June, mm. but I couldn't act on it. And it was like, and I debated. So long story short, she had a housing program that paid for her rent. Uh, first month's rent, last month's rent, and a double security deposit in November. Yeah. It ended in June. Yeah. And it was like, uh, hey, like Section 8 was supposed to kick in. I didn't realize that when I placed her, but I said, okay, whatever. Section 8 will pay the rent. You've been taking care of the property. That's fine. Um, but she was just too lazy to call Section 8 to ask them to actually like give her a voucher. She was top of their list. All she had to do was make that phone call. Yeah. And she, she wouldn't do it until we filed the paperwork. And then she called and it was too late. I was like, look, you still owe for July. That doesn't change. Yeah. So what are you going to do about July? And like, I was actually ready to waive it for her if she just met my property management team and made the effort to pay. Yeah. And she had them show up to places and wouldn't show up. She'd mm -hmm. be like, I'll be there in half an hour. And then like, wouldn't show up. You're not trying. So if you're not trying, I'm not trying. Like, yeah. We, we had a couple of those in our um, uh, apartment complex mm -hmm. where it was, it was assisted living, not necessarily assisted living, but just not government assistance, right? Mm -hmm. It was uh, one of those, uh, man, what am I trying to I say bridge program, but that's not the phrase I'm thinking of, but it's basically to help people who had lost their job, yep. but they had not made the transition to uh, section eight yet. That's exactly what this was. And a great program, right? But it just attracts the wrong kind of people. Right. Mm -hmm. We went through the exact same process with you almost. I think we had, we had three or four in there and I think all but one 
we had to evict because wow. they did the exact same thing. And I'm just like, you know, and section eight people were calling us saying, Hey, will you take more? Will you take more? We're like, no, we're not more <laughs> section eight folks. You know, we yeah. had like one or two on the books at that point in time. And we didn't want to get above, uh, I think it's when you get above 10% occupancy on section eight, then mm-hmm. your insurance changes just a little bit. Uh, and then, it yeah, it does. And then if, you know, if you want to reposition the property, it all depends too. But, uh, we, we, as a management team decided we're not going to do that. Um, but yeah, that we were excited to learn about that bridge program. Mm-hmm. But then after we went through this process, like everyone of them did the exact same thing. All they had to do was call. Yep. That was it. All they had to do was call. Yep. And that's simple. It's that simple. And they won't do it. And I'm like, I don't understand. Like, it's that poor mentality. People talk about that poor mentality. The woe is me mentality. Like yeah. literally they were waiting for it. They even told us like, she's top of the list. All she has to do is call us. Yeah. And we knew that ahead of time. They're like, you know, we think our situation's bad. Blah, blah. Like, okay, great. And she just wouldn't do it. Just great. Wait. All you got to do is call. <laughs> and this, this program inspects the property. It's the same section eight inspector. Yeah. Like, I didn't know. She's like, I know what your property looks like. Your property is great. Like, yeah, I'll pass it in a heartbeat. I just need her to call, and she even made excuses with him. And he's like, "No, like, yeah, I don't know. I'm tired of her." Like, I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> <That's, laughs> yeah, it's it's I don't know. It's that victim mentality a little bit, you know. But yeah, I hope to never be there. I don't think I will, <laughs> you know. Uh, but yeah. it, it always meant when I see people like that and they've lost their drive. Right? They don't they're not excited about anything except for complaining. And, yep. you know, I'm just like, what happened in your life to cause you to be like this? Yeah. You know, is what I want to ask them, but uh, you know, it's, but, but I, I, I mean, I see it. Yeah. I see it all the time. And it up in where we invest is very, it's a very depressed area. I mean, we went into this one property where section eight had been paying rent for this lady. She had to pay $34 a month. That was it. And, her kids were bucks a month. That's it. Like that's for all her utilities it was just 34 bucks a month. Yeah. And she had like, you know, the large screen TV, the whole nine, but her kids slept on piles of clothes. Like she didn't have beds for them. Wow. And I was like, look like, no. And I basically was like, I'm refused to buy this property based on the fact that I refuse to have you as a tenant. Yeah. Like I'm not going to rent to you because I'd kick you out in a heartbeat. Like, yeah, you obviously don't prioritize your kids. Like as, as a father and you can agree the same thing, like kids come first, man. Like, yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, you know, you can, you can talk about how that's poor money management and if you're a pub, if you're a product of the public school system, like I am, you learn nothing about money management. Yep. Right. Yep. But at, at some point in time, you've got to look at, okay, do I need to buy the big screen TV or do I need to buy a bed for yeah. my children to sleep on? And right. bits are expensive. Like you can, they always have sales. You can go buy one on Amazon. Oh, there's a furniture, there's a furniture store going out of business somewhere, right? Yeah. <laughs> Within five miles of you and me, it's, yeah, yeah. you know, there's going to have some sort of sale. Yeah. It's, it's that, that mindset is, is mm-hmm. astonishing to me that somebody would do that. Mm-hmm. I don't know, but blows my mind. So, so what causes you to want to, so you said the, uh, area we invest in is a depressed area, mm-hmm. but you still invest in there. What, why is that? And what do you label as a depressed area? Make sure I understand you correctly. Yeah, so it's formerly like, I mean, it's known as the coal region in Pennsylvania. Okay. Um, it was formerly very 
did really well during when coal was being mined. Right. Um, yep. But due to a lot of different policy changes and stuff like that over the past few decades, like coal politics and we're destroying the environment, blah, blah, blah. You know, well, that and there were, I think there was a, a disaster up there actually. Um, there's a mine that caught fire and oh, wow. it's still actively burning underground <laughs> and they're expecting it to be burning for the next thousands of years. Like uh, there's so much yeah. coal burn. Yeah. So it's literally burning underground and it's actually kind of cool to go see it. Uh, the no government, amount of water is going to put that out. No, right. No, it ain't going out. <laughs> the government's actually bought every house there. And I think there's a few that people still live there. There's like maybe three houses left in the town, but they bought the rest of the mall. And these people, Someone explained it to me that the government owns their home. They can live there, but once they die, like they can't pass it on. The you, government paid them off for their house. So you're not talking about like the size of a football field. You're talking about a, a town. You said a town. Oh, oh, yeah. Dude. Oh, wow. Okay. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's actually really cool. And like there's a lot of like the old highways and stuff like that. You know, they're still there and they're all decrepit and broken up. And yeah. um, it's, it's actually become like a tourist destination. Because it's so like a, go, has a ghost town mentality. Well, well, I mean, everything's torn down, but it's like actually like really cool. You could still see sometimes like a little bit of smoke or like the heat coming up. Yeah, and people yeah. were like graffiti. Not not that I ever agree with graffiti, but like this is old rubble that people are like drawing on. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. It's yeah. actually like part of the thing, and it's like encouraged to go do that. Because yeah, but like this this area, I was introduced to it by Maria, by one of the realtors I use. I mean, you could pick up a house. And this is on the outskirts of this town, right? Not necessarily what you were just talking about. Yeah. So, the, well, this is all in the same county. This is okay. All I got gotcha. you. I got gotcha. you. Um, you could pick up a house for twenty to twenty-five thousand. You know, ready to go kind of thing. And, yeah. Um, you can rent it out. It's it's three bedrooms between six fifty, seven hundred bucks a month. Um, taxes are pretty low. Like Pennsylvania's got some high property taxes. So okay. You got to, that, that's one of the limiting factors when you're looking at where to invest is like, you know, am I going to be paying 300 bucks a month in taxes? You know, that, that eats up cash flow pretty quickly. Yes, it does. Uh, on, and what size know, property? I mean, what, uh, what's the rent on a property that's going to generate 300 in taxes typically? Uh, so like, a, like in, so I live in Lancaster. So down here in Lancaster, you might pay on the, the lower end of town, you might pay like 1500 or you might pay like 125 thousand maybe a hundred thousand okay. you pay two to three hundred bucks a month in taxes and your rents maybe twelve hundred bucks eleven hundred bucks wow so like, it, it's hard to cash <laughs> oh yeah i mean yeah we bought our old home our our last house that we sold was we paid a hundred and thirty five thousand dollars for it and it was on the you know the good side of town and we were paying over three hundred bucks in taxes because we wow. looked at like turning it into a rental we, we three hundred bucks a month in tax. Oh yeah. yeah. $3,600 wow. a year in taxes. Wow. Mm-hmm. So up here, like the one, my one rental is a two unit and I pay $300 a year. In taxes. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> Quite a bit of a difference. Like my 60 um, bucks a year. And yeah. And I'm like, yeah, that, like that's, and that's kind of high for that area, but like, yeah argue with you they, they don't really reassess. They, they'll do it on sale, but because my sale price was so low, they didn't like, bother justify yeah justify raising my taxes on based on nothing i got you well, what's going on with the uh the storage facility the, the car dealership yeah uh, 
I'll make sure we talk about that because you text me and said, hey, I'm thinking about doing this with those lockers instead. What, what, we, had, what, we looked at it and I, you know, I think that it's almost like too progressive for the area, as okay. weird as that sounds, because I, I reached out to a couple of different people and, and, I, and I posted it in a couple of different Facebook groups and I said, hey, has anybody ever had these? Everybody used them? And like I said, it, the inspiration struck me from Avengers. No, you know, no spoiler. <laughs> but like, the, uh, the, the van is in the storage. Like okay, I okay. saw that and I was like, that's like, I was literally watching it for the second time that week. And I was like, Oh my gosh, this is a great idea. It's probably really cheap to do this. Yeah. And, and what we're would, talking about is instead of a storage unit where everything's closed up, you can't see, and it's got the garage door in the front. You're talking about cages, essentially chains, cages where uh, they have a little gate. You can open up, you can see everybody's stuff. They can see correct. your stuff. Sort of correct. So, okay. So we, we threw that idea out there and I, I brought it to, I brought it to my contractor who, who lives in that area. He's, you know, he's familiar with what people will and won't do in that area. Yeah. Um, and he said, he's like, dude, that's not a thing. Like people in big cities, like I was talking <laughs> to people who were from California, from New York, were like, yeah, you know, I had an apartment building. That's what we had. Yeah. You know, they, they were used to it. He's like up here. No, they won't do it. He's like, people will not like, I mean, this is also in this building. We're looking at, like we had to wire it because it was a full gut, right? Like we wired it for cable and internet. Cause I was like, well, yep. probably should think ahead. Cause I don't want them to rip my walls back apart. <laughs> I just them. And cause it, there was nothing in there obviously. And like I said, well, should I, should I offer free internet and in my rent? And he's like, I wouldn't not everybody up here has internet. <laughs> like that's not a thing. <laughs> and I was like, wow. Wait, people don't all have internet. Like, What do they do? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Do they actually do they actually communicate with one another? What's, what's going on? <laughs> there's uh, there's just a lot of drinking up there. Something like fifty percent of people don't have a license due to like losing their license. Oh wow! Yeah, like it's insane. Is that so, like, part of the depressed area? That's it, man. Like okay. I mean, there's not. So that's the hard part. Is I know I know I'm not investing for appreciation. Right. I know that I'm doing like there's cash flow. We're bettering the area. There was a lot of investors in the 90s and the early 2000s. From uh, There's a town called Allentown, Pennsylvania, not too far out of New York City. And it's like a really big investment mecca. Uh, then Philly and New York. Like we're not, it's not that far out of those areas. Um, and there's a lot of investors who came in and just purchased everything up and then just kind of slum ordered it and said, hey, we're going to let this go until it's no longer there. <laughs> wow. uh, so there's a lot of, you know, the, the, the blighted properties are, are getting a little, you know, further and further apart from each other. So like they're getting fixed up or getting torn down, which is good. Um, yeah. Property, yeah. I mean, even in the past, I've been up there for give or take, I'd say a year and a half. And I've seen property values going up. I've seen the amount of quote unquote deals that you could just find decreasing, which is good. You know, like the, the values are going up. Uh, as a whole, even talking to realtors and property managers who are up there, they're like, I've never seen it this hot. And I'm like, well, that's a good thing. You know, like you Not want everywhere, it. right? <laughs> exactly. Like everywhere. It's just I mean, in Lancaster house hits on the market and it's sold before. Like you, you a house that's on the market. You list, like you pick a showing even for the same day and it's going to be under contract before you get there. Yeah. You have to almost blindly throw offers out and just hope something sticks. That's what we did with, with where I'm living now. Where yeah. our where our pod, my podcast studio is, with yeah. blind full list price offer contingent wow. on two things. <laughs> that's, 
that's a bold move. Yeah. Well, we had, we already had uh, two or three. I think it was two. I think it was there, but two. We already had two properties where we we it came on the market. Mm-hmm. Uh, we wanted to go see it two days later because that's yeah. when my work schedule and realtor schedule and all that worked. Uh, and in those two days, those properties were gone. So. The funny thing is, though, we um, we so we made a full list price offer. We didn't even get to come see. This was on like a Thursday. They accepted it by Friday evening. We couldn't come see the property until Sunday. Sunday morning, they already had a full list backup offer. So, oh my gosh! So you you had no room to negotiate. Uh, yeah. I mean, it was it was price right. We we didn't okay. really. We weren't going to play that game. There was it wasn't for an investment; it was for us, right? Not. I say that um, the whole conversation is your primary home an investment, or is it a, a liability yeah. or is an asset? Uh, depends, right? I mean, yeah. our last two uh, primary homes, we've cashed out a hundred thousand after owning yeah. them for a few years. To me, that's an asset. So yeah, <laughs> and that's kind of where we're at here. We. I have that same mentality is, you know, you're right in the long term if you hold it for 30 years and, and you sit there and you, you put a, you know, you put a new roof on there, you fix the foundation here and that, but like this house, we've put, I don't know, some, you know, just normal maintenance, couple, yeah la- what I consider larger items, but the reality is they weren't that big when in perspective. And I know just based on what everything sold in my neighborhood, like the motivated sellers, I mean, they, it was just the house didn't present well and we kind of saw past it and we purchased it. And I know we've got, we, our house is worth 50,000 more than we bought it for, which is, you know, when you're buying a $250,000 house, that's a 20% increase, Yeah, like yeah. almost within months of when we bought it. And I was like, look, everything in our neighborhood selling for $50,000 more. And they're the exact same footprint. Their basement's not finished and they don't have a smaller yard on paper. I think we're better. Like, you know, you could argue, uh, well, You've got crayon on the walls. Well, I've got two kids. What do you? <laughs> Let's <laughs> add to it. <laughs> yeah, call that character. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, nothing a fresh coat of paint won't fix. That's right. That's right. Mm-hmm. What else is going on with you, man? So I wanted to ask. I've got um, I have a list up. I got to pull up here. Um, so I know we talked last week or last time about refinancing the HELOCs and kind of looking at options there and saying, you know, lower interest rate, longer term is the best. Um, I know that one of the things I I have difficult because I I went and spoke with a couple of banks and the difficulty I was having is because a lot of these mortgages are under $30,000. Yeah. Just kind of look at me and they're like, well, your closing costs are 3,500 bucks. And they're like, it's not like some of them are just saying like straight up, the fees are too high that we can't, justify doing that we can't justify telling you to spend that much on closing costs and all that kind of stuff if for that low of a loan amount like it hits too many of our flags so Hmm. so i've looked at the options i've looked at is to maybe look at like a portfolio loan where i put them all together yeah but i i know i've heard i've heard mixed reviews on those because some people are like well it's hard to sell one property which it's not um, you just have to work with the bank and have a good relationship with the bank to sell just one of the properties out of that portfolio. Yeah. Um, yeah. What's your experience with that? I haven't done it yet. You know, I, I talked to my, um, CPA 
and also, you know, there's bank, the bankers who offer them, right. They offer those and you gotta be careful with portfolio loans because people, um, that's what I understand as a portfolio loan, but sometimes bankers will mean a portfolio loan means they keep the loan inside yeah. their portfolio, right? So yeah. they don't go off and sell it. So when you're talking to bankers, <laughs> yeah, you, when you talk to bankers, make sure you uh, discern the difference. Um, but I haven't done that yet because of, you know, the advice, my C, I think it's my CPA, it, regardless, I thought it was really good, is that if you ever want to sell one of those properties, it's a little bit more difficult to do it, right? And it, and I can't remember exactly what he told me that turned me off on it, but it was basically you're going to have, if you ever sell one of those, you'll have, you'll have to refinance and pay all those closing costs again. And, you know, you got to plan to hold all those properties in the same, for the same amount of time. Right. And to me it was, it was somewhat limiting right to do that now if if these are if you're never going to plan on appreciation um is strictly a cash flow play that that may be you know that may be something that doesn't hinder you from doing that right yeah. we so our exit strategy on our properties are really two things yep. either they've no longer um oh man I got to go get some coffee here. Uh, <laughs> either they no longer provide a tax deduction for us okay. or, or B they, um, uh, I really need to get some coffee. My <laughs> no, or e, either B they, they get past the half a percent rule, right? A lot of people don't talk about the half a percent rule, but basically okay. it's, it's kind of the reverse is if you can't rent a property, for more than half a percent of what it's worth, you should yep. have enough equity in that thing to to sell it. It's time to move on, right? Because it's because the property is appreciating so fast. So fast. Yeah. And rents okay. are not keeping up. Oh, I've never heard of that rule. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's, that's so that's that's kind of the two exit strategies that, that we use. Yeah. And and you know, so for example, our, our duplex um, that we just sold. Um, I really didn't put any, I, I really got frustrated with how the market was doing around here as far mm -hmm. as looking for stuff and things were coming on the market at just ridiculous prices. And I just said, okay, let's put ours on for a ridiculous price. And we ended up, you know, closing on it at a 428% return in three years. So I, it was never part of my exit strategy. I think that's an anomaly. So I'm not going to try to manage to that or no, nor set my expectations to that. But, um, but yeah, we, you know, we looked at that and said, okay, let, this is, this makes sense. Let's do this. Uh, but our basic rules are, is, is it, is it going to provide us in tax deduction? Right. Or are we at the half a percent rule? And if either one of those are true, then we really look at selling it. Okay. But in your situation, if you're not planning on that to happen, yeah, then maybe, you know, maybe you just put them all on a, a portfolio loan and be mm -hmm. done with it. Right. What are the banks telling you? What are they saying as far as the best thing to go? Right. So individually is not an option. Right. Well, I know that there's, there's one bank up there. It's just convenient. I mean, it's an hour and a half away from where I live. There's a small little credit union up there. Um, if I can get a weekday off and go up there and meet them, I might. 
I'm still meaning like I'm, I feel like every time I'm driving around, like, you know, how people like look for houses like yeah. when I'm outside of like the area I want to buy in or I know it's too expensive. Like I'm looking at like banks, yeah. <laughs> like looking around, looking for like little banks I've never heard of. And I was, I've got a few that I, I want to test out, but there, there's do you, ever, do you ever take off on your W2 to just knock out real estate investing task like this? I did. I did earlier this year, but right. Not, not recently. Yeah. Um, and I think it's just cause in my head, I don't have enough to do just yet. I got you. Um, and that, that, and that's the part of it is that if I, if I could get a day where I'm like, I have to do all this stuff. Otherwise I'm, I'm pretty, I'm pretty blessed with my job being that I'm in sales. Like I could take, like yeah. sometimes I'm out yeah. marketing stuff. I, like it's yeah. a dual purpose. Cause like the reality is those mortgage brokers are also referral partners for me. Was that, yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> I, I go talk to them about two things and then like I, I can have, I, we end up talking like I've got a lot of the people that I've met through that now refer me business. Yeah. And so then I'm like, okay, like I can, I can do that. I when the last big flip we were doing, we, I took off and went and surprised my contractor with a surprise inspection. Um, <laughs> it didn't go too well. Not for, <laughs> not for him. <laughs> no, no. Especially when he's telling me we're going to be done, you know, on Monday, he's telling me that we should be done by the end of the day. So I showed up on Tuesday. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, dude, it, it still was like three weeks before they were done. And I said, like, don't lie to me. Just tell me. Like, like and he was like, I was trying to make you happy. And I said, look, me finding out you're not done, it makes me a heck of a lot less happy than exactly. That's <laughs> right? the expectation. Um, yeah, gosh. But yeah, I mean, so I banks are telling me I, I can do the portfolio. You know, they're, they're loan. They're gonna lend smaller amounts and they have weird because once you go into those portfolio, it becomes commercial. Yeah. So instead of doing like, Hey, here's a 30 year note. Now they're offering, you know, 30 year with a seven year arm or five year arm or 10 year arm with higher interest rates or yeah. a 20 year. They'll do a 20 year straight. Am, um, which I'm okay with. Like I'd rather on a 10 year, I'd be okay with it. Maybe seven years, but like, dude, I'm preparing for this market to correct right now. And I yeah. don't, I don't want anything close. And then like the idea of having to refinance again in five years, like I feel like I'm basically just going to keep paying 3,500 bucks. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like at a certain point, you just yeah. paying to refinance. I, I think your head's in the right spot though. You're for, got a little bit of forward thinking there too. And, and what is the market going to do? Nobody really knows. Yeah. You know, I, I can almost guarantee you that nothing's going to happen until after the presidential election. Yeah. And then what I anticipate yeah. it would be, um, is if Trump is as powerful as I think he is and he gets reelected mm -hmm. that for the first year or two when okay. on his new term, the market's going to downturn and then he'll go out with a bang. Right. And they'll, the yeah. things will turn around. That's, um, that's my idea, but that's what, well, the, in December last year, so eight, nine months ago, our, uh, our financial advisor, uh, for my, my company, the guy who, manages our 401k. I thought it was a dude. I don't want to put too much in like a, a, my company does a, a, a free gift, right? So they don't care what you put in. They're going to give a percent. Oh, nice. And then they do nice. a profit match at the end of the year, which like, or a profit bonus, which the one, like it's usually ranges between 10 and 20% of your salary. Yeah. In there extra. So like, very nice. Yeah. I'm like, that's, that's nice nice benefit. Yeah. I'm like, All right. I'm like, that's great. I'm like, I'll, I'll take it. 
Uh, and I thought, so look, dude, I'll put some in there because I have the ability to take a loan out. Yeah. But I'm not putting my eggs in this basket. Like no. I put some in there, but I'm very heavily invested in real estate and that's where I'd rather be. Um, I diversify within counties, like different counties. Uh, yeah. That's it. That's <laughs> asset allocation. Somebody, somebody asked me the other day, said, well, you're all, you don't do stocks or anything. I said, I do very little stocks. Yeah. I said, I've, I've got maybe five grand in stocks and everything else is tied up in real estate. Well, I thought you had to diversify. I said, I do. Yeah. I've got mobile homes. I've got apartment <laughs> complexes. I got single family homes. I said, they're all in different cities. So I'm diversified. Exactly. <laughs> and they're like, exactly. and it was like, Oh, yeah. Yeah. Different size. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's, like, don't get me wrong. Like I said, I've got a few, I've got some money in there and I, I, I put money aside on my 401k. They, yeah. they match regardless. So I'm like, look, if you're going to put money in regardless of what I do, I'll play this game. But like, I'm not, I'm not going to put all my eggs in this basket. Yeah. I don't, I don't do that either. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah. I wanted to ask you one quick question about, yeah. I know you've got a big building. Uh, you've got a 24 unit building. 42. 22? Oh, okay. 40. 42. Oh, 42. Oh, man. That's yep. I, had, uh, I had those numbers mixed up. Um, what do you do with appliances in there? What do you mean? So the one thing I was thinking about with the six unit, so the washer, the, um, look, the fridge and the stove, and we usually do built-in microwaves just because it's cheaper than doing a range hood on top right. of the stove anyway. Um, so we were probably going to do that it's kind of hard to say I'm going to rent you your fridge. Like in this area, like that's not a thing. Oh yeah. Yeah. So, but the washer and dryer we've debated and we've been back and forth on doing like not like they all have hookups, not supplying washer and dryers and saying, Hey, you're on your own or pardon me, offering them, but renting them to people and saying, look, yeah, you can, or just straight up offering them and not charging anything. Right. And just make, or like, I heard someone on the bigger pocket saying like, yeah, I rent them out, you know, 15 bucks a month or whatever for each washer and dryer. And like, and I was like, oh, like that's a good idea. Cause it's better. I mean, people would rent it. It's better than Rent-A-Center. Um, yeah. That same tenant who won't pay me somehow pays Rent-A-Center a hundred bucks a month <laughs> for, her for their, or for a TV, but not a yeah. bed for her kids. Well, that's it. Like well, she, yeah. has a, I think she actually has a bed. Um, I'll give her that, but, um, it just, yeah, I, I, I guess, have you ever done that? What's your thought process on that? We, we look, so the, the 42 unit has, uh, an onsite laundry facility where okay. we have coin operated. Yep. Um, and, and the, the three bedrooms, so there's a mix in the 42 unit. There's a three bedroom, two bedroom, one bedroom. The three bedrooms actually have a utility closet, but there's no hookups or anything. So we don't actually have, units in there. Um, okay. we did talk about, um, providing them as an yep. in unit, uh, with a, with a spike in rent. Right. Because okay. it's more of a convenience thing. Oh, 100%. Um, and, and then we didn't want to get into, or, or then we talked about, okay, well, we don't necessarily want to buy them. We'd rather okay. just release them. Right. So the, 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 uh, the facility that we have, excuse me, the facility that we have, there's like three washers and three dryers. Those are all provided by a company. They service them, you know, they, they're coin operated and they basically, 
uh, do everything for them. Right. And then they send okay. us a check at the end of the month. So we talked to them about possibly putting some of their units in the, uh, in our units in our three bedrooms. And they didn't like the idea. They said, normally what happens is the people who are going to do the most laundry, um, are, you know, no, that's not, what did they say? They said something that was really, it was baffling to me. Like they, they were not open to the idea. And I okay. think it, I think it's something along their policy of, of having them inside the units. Uh, because usually, you know, the, I think there was some liability or something like that because of, uh, like water leaking, water leakage, fires, some of those things that they really deterred us from doing it. But, okay. um, I don't know. It was, it was, the demand wasn't there enough. Uh, mm-hmm. and we don't think we could have gotten that much more premium in rent to justify yep. it. So uh, what's it like? I mean, what's the actual income on one of those? Cause like we, we thought about doing that with the garage instead, just saying, Hey, look, laundromat and we'll make it available to other people. Yeah. Right? Like, sure. If you're making enough money, like there's not really a laundromat in this town and it's something yeah. we couldn't do it still, but like, like I don't even know where to begin pricing a laundromat. <laughs> <laughs> I don't either. Uh, we call it a company. There's a company here regionally that uh, provides them. Right. And um, I mean, we just called them or they were actually, they had a contract in there. Of course it had, it had expired. Yep. <clears throat> there were some really old units in there. And we just said, look, if y'all want to continue doing this, you're going to have a, have to give us uh, better units. They don't have to be brand new, better units. We need to up the price on the laundromat. Cause there was a laundromat right around the corner that was charging three or four times a load than what was in this facility. But okay. um, so, <clears throat> they came in and brought us newer machines. Yep. Uh, they still service them. Um, we increased the price of a, of a load, but it's not a moneymaker for us at all. Okay. I mean, you, you know, it, it probably generates maybe a hundred dollars in cash a, okay. a month. But you have to pay that, for the water, the electric. Yeah. Really. After all that's considered, we, we may make a hundred bucks. Yeah. Oh, wow. Wow. Okay. Yeah. It's not, it's not one of those things that we, now, could we bump it up? You know, could we bump it up 50 cents per load more probably, but what's that really going to generate? You know, maybe I don't have a perspective on what a load of laundry costs because I haven't used a laundromat. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I've been blessed. I guess it's one of those things I've always looked at when I'm looking to rent, like, look, either can I take it to my mom's house or can yeah, I yeah. do it on site? Um, Cause like, man, like, I'm sitting here thinking it's like a hundred, like a dollar twenty-five, and I'm like, because I'm doing the math, I'm like a dollar twenty-five a load. Each tenant does three or four loads a month, and so like, yeah. So what we charge is, I think it's a dollar fifty to wash, and then it's a dollar fifty to dry. Okay, so it's so, and then the laundromat down the street from our apartment complex is it's three dollars to wash and two dollars to dry. Holy crap. So you're talking, I mean, if you think about how often you do laundry. Yeah. Now, you know, that adds up pretty quick. I mean, you you know, depending on uh, one bedroom, two bedroom unit, uh, you're probably doing one or two loads a week, right? That's true. At at minimum. That's true. But then you got to factor in, okay, so if you go back to your $15 example, um, that makes it up right there. I mean, that makes sense if I'm doing it. Um, but depend, there's a lot of things there, right? There's the convenience factor. There's the, if the tenants are paying their own utilities, Mm -hmm. that, so there's a lot that can go into it. 
to try yeah. to make it work for you. But um, it's interesting. I like your idea, man. I'm interested to see what you do on the portfolio loan. Yeah, it's, you, uh, I'm, I'm very torn on it because like part of me and part of me is like, you know what? Like, don't rock the boat. It's cash flowing. Like, yeah, it's cash flowing well. And yeah. the reality is once we get this eviction out and someone back in there, like we just, that's for lack of better words, it's my only vacancy right now. Yeah. So that's the, the portfolio, my, my portfolio turns and burns pretty well. Right. Like and I'm happy. And once this six unit gets, and maybe, uh, no, <laughs> maybe I could just do them with the, when I refinance the six unit and just like throw it all in there. But Good. the pr- the problem is, is personal name versus LLC, the six units in an LLC. So they yeah. would, I'd have to move them. Yeah. And tra- there's transfer taxes in Pennsylvania. That go yeah. On. I was going to say there, you've got a lot of, administrative fees yeah. that are going to come on or legal fees that are going to come on top of that. If you do that, but yeah. something to think about, man, you know, long-term, what are you trying to accomplish and, and will this get you, help you get you there? Right. Yeah. And that's the biggest thing is I keep trying to look at it like long-term. I want to say like, look, it's not about what's convenient this month, like yeah. next month, but what's going to be convenient in 10 years and 20 years. And so like, yeah, all right. And that, that's part of like in my head, so everything's going to be paid off, give or take now in nine, nine years or less. Right. Except for the six unit, uh, but everything else, cause it's got nine years left on a 10 year note. Right. So right. I look at it. I'm like, well, I'm comfortable. Like they're, they're cash flowing. We don't need the cash flow right now. So like it, we're still building up a nice reserve, still doing that. Um, and then in nine years when that's all paid off, like that's a freaking cost of living upgrade. Yeah. <laughs> just like that. <laughs> Uh, just, our cost of living just went up and we just made an extra 1500 to $2,000 a month or yeah. we can, um, refinance those and repeat and just yeah. double, double, triple our portfolio. Really Sounds like you're in a good spot, man. <laughs> you know, we try to do. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, what is the right, the best decision, right? Mm-hmm. And, and then um, you get distracted and you push it off another few months. Yeah. Well, <laughs> and then that means it's just not that important, right? I mean, it's just, same thing with uh, a few. Ta- I've got my sheet. Where to go? It's right here. There's like three or four things that are just at the top, and they've been there for like a month. And I'm like, eh, <laughs> I'll get to them eventually. eventually. Yeah. yeah, I'm right there with you. I know that. All right, Matu. I got to get going, buddy. Uh, great to talk to you. Great to see yeah. you. And uh, but I, uh, I'm interested to hear what happens on this uh, portfolio repositioning. So yeah. I appreciate that. Keep, appreciate keep you posted. Yeah, buddy. Um, let's book another spot soon and uh, we'll go from there. Okay. Sounds good. All right, man. See you. All right. See you.